Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we feature select stories from our monthly open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On August 18th, eight storytellers shared their stories with our audience. Our theme for the evening was Bad Idea. We heard stories about defying death, encounters with law enforcement and wild animals, getting tattoos in questionable environments, and even one story about a guinea pig riding the family dog like a horse. In the end, our winner was reigning Grand Slam champion, Mina Edmondson, who told us about the time she took her four children on a spaceship to the moon. I was a stay-at-home mom, although I didn't stay at home very much with my kids. I would load my kids up in the station wagon and we would go on grand adventures. I would always have a loaf of bread, a jar of goober grape, a box of Little Debbie oatmeal pies, and juicy juice juice boxes. We could go anywhere on that and do absolutely anything. Well, this one particular day I had had to take my daughter to the doctors. So after the doctor's visit, we decided we were going to go to the Inner Harbor in Baltimore. Now, as I pulled the kids out of the car, I put the baby in the front pack along with her heart monitor. And then I put the 15-month-old in the little tiny um, fold-up stroller. And my three-year-old is beside me on the right-hand side so I can hold her hand. And my six-year-old son is on the other side. And he can put take care of of himself. So we decided we were going down to the harbor. And one of the things my children always loved to do is ride on the boat. Well, they didn't know that we really were riding the water taxi, the free boat that took you around from pier to pier, and you could go all the way around the harbor if you wanted to. Well, we would get on in the harbor, and we would cross over and get off at the Science Center, the, the closest spot we could possibly get off. But my four kids thought they won a grand cruise, and they thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was just far enough that they had fun and didn't start griping and complaining and picking on each other. So we get to the other side and we walk then back around the harbor and the kids love to watch, um, look at all the boats and the slips. And as we're walking around, they're talking about the birds that they see coming down. And I look across and I see the glass elevator going up on the Hyatt Regency across the highway. And I think, oh, this is a fantastic idea. And I turned to my son and I said, do you want to take a spaceship to the moon? And of course he said, yes. So I managed to get four crids across eight lanes of highway on Light Street and into the Hyatt Regency Hotel. Well, in the hotel, the elevator is inside the building on the first couple of levels and then it goes outside well my kids didn't really realize this so we get into the elevator and you know you naturally turn around and look at the door when you get in an elevator well my two older kids did that and i'm standing there facing the wall you know the the glass at the back of the elevator and the elevator starts to move and i say countdown 10 9 eight and i'm looking and i can see that we're beginning to move and we're beginning to get a little higher five four and we're just above where i can see that we're out in the open and the glass is there three two one blast off and i turn my kids around and there we are out in the wild blue yonder 
flying into the sky when they could see nothing around them, and my son hit the ground. Womp! screaming at the top of his lungs. Well, of course, the three-year-old then starts to scream and tries to climb up my side. Well, the baby starts crying because everyone else is screaming. And to make it worse, the three-year-old had dislodged the cable from the heart monitor and the heart monitor starts going off. The noise was absolutely horrendous. And we're going up and up and up. And it feels like we're just going to take off and go to the moon, because that's what I promised. Well, as we get to the very top, the elevator doors open. And there's this man, full suit, probably the head of a bank or something, standing there, very prim and proper. And he looks at me, and he looks at the kids, and he takes a step backwards. And he says, I'll wait. <laughs> and the door closed, and we're heading back down. Now, at this point in time, I am laughing hysterically, tears rolling down my face. I mean, the noise was horrible. We get back down to about the third floor, and the elevator door opens, and there's two security guards standing on the outside of the door. And one of them looks at me, he said, is there a problem, ma'am? And I said, oh no, we're just looking for the door to the promenade so that we can go over to the uh, Inner Harbor. And he says, well, I'll escort you there. So I get these kids out of the elevator, peel my son up off of the floor of the elevator and go around to the promenade where they swiftly close the door behind us. And I go around the corner and I hit the ground. I am apologizing to my kids, telling them how sorry I am. But, you know, that was probably not the greatest idea to start with. Mina earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November to defend her title. Next up is a story from Par Bowman, who told one of the cautionary tales she shares with her children about how she got her second tattoo. Well, that was a great segue because what I was going, what I'm going to talk about uh, is the fact that uh, as a parent, one of my big challenges has been uh, seeing myself reflected back to me through my kids and all of those bad ideas and all of the ridiculous things that I did, I see my kids doing. And as they get older, that gets much more concerning. Uh, my daughter's about a year and a half from driving, a few years from being out of the house. And I'm lucky I'm still alive, and I would like her to still be alive too. So I definitely don't want her doing the things that I was doing. And so when I think of the really stupid things I did, I sometimes share those stories with my kids as a lesson in like what not to do. And about six months or so ago, I was at work sharing a story of how I got my second tattoo. And hearing myself say the words out loud really brought home how much of an incredibly, incredibly bad idea this tattoo was. And uh, so I thought this one has to be shared. The background to the first or the second tattoo is the first tattoo. Great experience. Uh, I had a uh, friend who had tattoos, really great tattoos, 
and I uh, went to his tattoo guy, and, who had a legit tattoo studio in his home, and uh, everything went well. And I think I just assumed that everybody, I would always have a tattoo experience like that. As you know, most people say once they get one tattoo, they want more tattoos. And I desperately wanted more tattoos then. But I was a poor college student. And by that, I mean legit poor. Like one summer, I worked two full-time jobs, slept four hours in between, and did it again. Um, not every semester, but I had a few semesters where I worked up to three part-time jobs while I was working. There was truly no disposable income for, for fun things like tattoos, despite the fact that I wanted more so, so, so bad. It was at one of these part-time jobs that uh, I, it was Super Fresh and Red Lion. I got into a conversation with a customer who, uh, I was talking about his tattoos. He had cool tattoos and he's telling me what, what he would like to get next. And I was like bemoaning, oh, I just I want more, but I can't. And he's like, well, if you could get another one, what would you get? And I said, on my shoulder, I want Kermit the Frog sitting on a log with a rainbow above it and he's strumming his banjo. And he looked at me and he said, I'm trying to get into tattooing. And I could do that, it was either for 35 or $45. And I was like, I, I'm not stupid. I mean, I, needed, I knew I needed to step away and, and think about it for a little bit. So I gave it about five, full seconds of consideration where I thought, can I tighten the belt enough to afford $35 or $45? And thought, sure. So right there in the express checkout at Superfresh, I got his name and his number and his address and made plans to go that Sunday to get my Kermit the Frog tattoo. Because it's a brilliant idea to go to the home of a man I don't know, um, by myself, partially disrobed, have him jab me repeatedly with a needle that may or may not be sterilized and put a permanent picture on my body. Like what could possibly go wrong there? And I arrived with bells on that Saturday or that Sunday to, to get my tattoo. I arrive and I realize it's an apartment complex. I go into his house um, or his apartment, sit down at his kitchen table and show him a picture of this is what I'm thinking about. And he sketches it out. And I look at that sketch. And I'm not feeling it, but I think, you know, once it's shaded in and once it's cut, got color, it's probably gonna be really awesome. And so I, I'm like, okay. And he's kind of gentlemanly in the sense, he's like, well, you can get yourself situated so I could get my shirt off, so he could get to my shoulder. He's like, and once you're done, you can just take the chair and turn it backwards. That way you can kind of lean forward and rest while I'm working on you. And it becomes crystal clear that there's not a legit tattoo studio hidden away in this apartment, that I am going to sit straddling his dinette chair in his kitchen and get a tattoo. And I am all in. I am all about this. And I don't hesitate. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do this. And I do it. And the good news is I was not sexually assaulted. I did not end up with hep C or HIV or anything like that, which could have happened. Um, tattoo maybe could have been worse maybe <laughs> and i tried to get it fixed up a few years later and there was not much that they could do uh but it looked like it was a tattoo done by somebody who was trying to get into tattooing nonetheless it's part of who i am now um it is you know it's hard for me to regret even an ugly kermit so my favorite thing though today about this this 
tattoo is the fact that as I related this story to my daughter, she initially just gave me that universal, like, what the fuck look, and then went on to literally, like, pinch the bridge of her nose, shake her head and squeeze her eyes tight in, like, this abject disappointment at my life decisions. And what I saw at that moment was not 14-year-old me reflected back, but 47-year-old me reflected back to me. And I had the comfort of knowing she is, thank God, smarter than I am. And I think she's going to be all right. Thank you. Our final story on this month's podcast comes from Paul Armstrong. Paul shared the real story behind his mother's account of the time he and his brother took their Christmas wagon out for a spin. She started telling the story again. And I looked around the Thanksgiving table and the 25 people were sort of paying attention. It seemed like Diana's creamed onions were probably more interesting. Now, the thing was, it was actually a pretty good story my mom was going to tell, but not the way she told it, because I knew how it was going to end. My brother would be described as somebody who did things a little too strong, and I'd be described as a bump on a log. Now, I'm not sure what a bump on a log is, but it's not a compliment, and i had been likened to one more than once. But, you know, it really wasn't her fault that she told the story this way. So she goes on, and I catch my brother's eyes, and he's kind of rolling his eyes, and I take a bite, and I tell my mom, Mom, that's not what happened. And she's sort of startled. It's like, yes, it is. I was like, no, it's not, Mom. It's not what happened. She goes, but, but that's what you told me happened. That's what you and Neil said. And I said, so I swallowed hard, and it was time to reconcile myself with bad idea number three. So I fessed up. I said, Mom, we lied. Now the attention of all those young adults who are our sons and daughters, they're paying attention. A story that starts with their dads had lied. This is going to get interesting, way more than creamed onions. My mom goes, but why? Let's spin the tape back 45 years earlier. Zzzz. Whoa, I'm right now. Yeah, I'm going down. I got to make the turn. Make the turn. Make the turn. I, oh, down the driveway. Oh, this is awesome. I'm testing out my brand new Christmas wagon. It's a beast of a wagon. It's a wooden one. It's not one of those metal radio flyers. This is a national flyer. I get to the end of the driveway. I'm like, oh, this is great. I turn around. I was like, oh. But now I got to pull it back up. Okay. Now, my, my brother must have sensed that I wasn't in the mood for pulling it up. So he's, he's out there and he goes, hey, Paul, why don't I pull you on my bike? And I'm thinking, what a great idea. What better to pull a beast of a wagon than a beast of a bike? And my brother had a beast of a bike. And, and heck, he was nearly seven years old. I was just five. So we run into the garage and we get some ropes and we're trying to tie it together. And up comes Steve, his friend. He goes, what you doing? And we just tell what we're doing. He's, hey, can I pull him? Can I pull him? Can I pull him? It's like, no, my brother's like, it's going to be tied to my bike. I'm going to pull him. I'm going to pull him. Well, my mom must have heard what was going on. So she just peeks out the door so she doesn't let the hot air out of the house and let the cold air in. And she says, what are you boys up to? Now, remember, we're boys. We're never doing anything. We're always up to something. And so what are you up to? And so we fill her in, and she sort of thinks about it. She goes, well, Neil, uh, don't let Steve pull your little brother. We were, we were kind of nice that way. Always, if we're going to get injured, let's keep it in the family. And, and then she says to me, Paul, don't stand up. Yes, mom. So my brother gets on the bike and he pushes that front foot down and the bike lurches forward and the string tightens up. 
The wagon lurches forward, boop, into the back of the bike. My brother doesn't give up. Other foot, boom, lurch, boom, lurch, bobble, bang, boom, bang, boom. We finally start making it down the street, and we're actually getting pretty good at this. My brother makes the turn on the Robino Drive, and we go all the way down Robino to the limit of where a nearly seven-year-old and a five-year-old can go. Now, it's a slight incline, and the whole way, Steve is saying, can I, can I, can I do it? Can I do it? Well, after this slight incline, my seven-year-old, nearly seven-year-old brother, riding a beastly bike, pulling a beastly wagon with a five-year-old, realizes maybe that offer is pretty good because he's kind of tired. And the better thing is we're out of sight of the house. So while they're switching drivers, I decide I can make this more fun. I'm going to be Superman. So I stand up in that wagon. So is born. Bad ideas, number one and number two. Well, Steve gets on now. He saw how you do it. He pushes that pedal down and that, that bike lurches forward. And guess what? Superman flew. Superman flew up and backwards and out of the wagon and poof, off his head on the broken concrete. Next thing I know, blood is pouring from inside my hood and outside my hood, and I start making the dash for home. Now, my brother being the carrying almost seven-year-old, he's got great words of, of care and comfort. He's like, don't tell mom, don't tell mom, don't tell mom. And I'm thinking, no, I won't, no, I won't, no, I won't. And we burst into the house. I can't imagine what it looks like because blood is just gushing out of my hood. My parents are trying to assess the situation, and they're like, well, what happened? That's when we executed bad idea number three. We lied. Neil was pulling the bike, and I was just sitting there. Somehow I fell out. As it turned out, the doctor said that the rock that lodged into my head, had it not been for a hood on my head, probably would have killed me. And, and ever since then, I really had a cool little scar on the back of my head that you can see whenever I get a crew cut. Now, now I know that, you know, we all, well, my mom has told the story since then. And, and when she tells the story, it's all about the fact that this coat she bought on sale at the discount store called Walmart, not Walmart, you know, saved my life. Now, I know two wrongs don't make a right, and so three bad ideas don't make a good idea. But I'll tell you what, I much prefer being referred to as Superman with a bad idea than a bump on a log. All the winners from this year's Open Mic Story Slam events will return to compete for the title of Best Storyteller in York. Updates on our events are available on our website, yorkstoryslam.com, and while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter, you can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and watch videos of all the stories from our events on our YouTube channel. Big thanks to our 2020 sponsor, KBG Injury Law, whose generous support is making this season possible. We hope to see you virtually or on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services. Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at wilsonmediaservices.com.